We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pod. I'm Jimmy, and uh, as not always, I'm by myself this week. Dan is out uh, frolicking in Southern California, hot Southern California still, and uh, that's where we both were this weekend when we were at the LA Galaxy versus Sporting Kansas City game, and he decided he wanted to stay in the 174 degree weather just a little bit longer than I did, but uh, it's going to be just me this week, but have no fear. You'll still hear the sultry sounds of Daniel Kuzer's voice on this episode because we recorded an interview with none other than Kansas City Star reporter Daniel Sperry. So we're going to play that for you a little bit later, but it would not be a podcast if we did not talk about the game that happened against the LA Galaxy in Carson, California earlier this week. So have no fear, I will be here to break it down for you, give you my thoughts, give you my analysis, answer your questions and everything. It'll just be me solo this week, so uh, I apologize. Probably less jokes, probably uh, less shenanigans than when we are here together, but uh, I'm going to do my best to keep you entertained and hopefully uh, we'll have some fun along the way. Uh, But first, I want to thank everybody who has left a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. I know uh, that uh, not everybody uh, is able to do that, especially on Apple Podcasts, so we appreciate those of you on Spotify who do go ahead and and leave that rating. Uh, But there is, well, it's a little bit of a workaround, I'd say. We've had a couple of our Spotify listeners send us an email of what their review would be if they were able to leave one, and uh, we got one of those emails this week from none other than a listener named Joey Shondell, and he says, uh, left five stars on Spotify. Thanks for hosting a dedicated sporting podcast. I used to go to Wizards games at Arrowhead, and it is awesome to see the sport grow in my hometown. You guys are a massive part of that. Well, thank you, Joey. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, it's it's humbling for both of us to hear uh, when people are fans, when people listen, because as we've said many times before, we're just a couple of guys who have gotten on here and decided to record our conversations about sporting Kansas City that were already happening. So, uh, you know, we're just a small part of what was already a vibrant and thriving soccer culture here in Kansas City, and we're just uh, grateful to be a part of that. Uh, he did go on to ask a question, so I'm just going to go ahead and take that one out now before I get to questions later. He says, uh, questions for the pod. If statues were a part of the Sporting KC Stadium, which players slash coaches should be cast in bronze? And, uh, well, 
Thank you so much for the question, Joey. Uh, it is a good one. It's an interesting one. Uh, I think, obviously, if you were to uh, look at statues, the first places you would have to look is probably where the sporting legends are. Now, you can look at sports stadiums around the country. They have their Ring of Honor, their Legends classes, their Hall of Fame, whatever you want to call it. And and not everybody from those Hall of Fames or Rings of Honor or what have you make it to statue status. The statues are reserved for basically the elite of the elite. And so I'm going to be a little picky here. I'm going to say some guys who I think are maybe on the edge. Um, I think Tony Miola, maybe right there on the edge. I think Jimmy Nielsen. Probably there on the edge. Uh, Precky. I could go back and... I mean, Precky, he might get one. But I think, you know, he's right there on on, on the edge. I think there are two surefire statues that you absolutely have to give no questions asked. I think the first one is Lamar Hunt. We all know the history of Lamar Hunt. Uh, The the ownership that he had uh, in... Uh, Kansas City Wizards slash Sporting Kansas City, um, I guess, well, back when it was the Kansas City Wizards, really, uh, the way he helped save Major League Soccer, how they ultimately named the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup trophy after him. He has had such an influence on Major League Soccer, on soccer in Kansas City, on this club in their Kansas City Wizards days, that I think it goes without saying that Lamar Hunt needs to get a statue. And the other one? It's got to be none other than Peter Vermees, the only coach to ever win MLS Cup as a player and a coach with the same team. Uh, He has taken Sporting Kansas City to the promised land a couple of times of uh, MLS Cup. He's won a number of U.S. Open Cups. That was part of the Sporters Shield winning uh, roster. Excuse me. So I think Peter Vermees has to be the other statue. Now, you could maybe kind of sort of make an argument for somebody like a Matt Beasler. Uh, down the road, he's certainly not going to be a statue candidate at this moment. I think Beasler, I think Zussi, I think eventually Tim Melia, I think they're all going to be sporting legends at some point in their own right. Maybe not statues right now, but who knows? Beasler's a guy that I could, you know, you could make an argument for, especially a hometown kid, MLS Cup winner, longtime captain. So Beasler one day, he might be a statue candidate. But uh, anyway, Joey, thank you so much for the email, for the the makeshift review. We appreciate your creativity there. And uh, yeah, if you have not left us a five-star rating and review on an Apple podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify, well, uh, yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, go ahead, take some time, go ahead and do that. And we very, very much would like that. So thanks again. But uh, let's let's go ahead and jump right on in to this LA Galaxy versus Sporting Kansas City game, uh, as you know. Daniel and I were out there. Daniel's wife, Marissa, was also there. I brought my brother to the game, who is a neutral. He's not really a Sporting KC or an LA Galaxy fan, even though he lives in LA. But he was cheering on Sporting Kansas City with us there for moral support. And uh, yeah, we we braved the weather. And let me tell you, it was hot. I looked at my phone earlier in the day on Sunday. I was staying in the uh, the San Fernando Valley, which for those of you who are not as familiar with L.A., it's a little bit more inland, tends to get a little bit more hot. Uh, and at one point, my phone said it was 109 degrees, felt like 111. And uh, that was at like, I don't know, 1.30 in the afternoon. Uh, so it was a hot one. Now, when you got to Carson, California, where the L.A. Galaxy play, it was a little bit cooler. It was only in the mid to upper 90s, but that was at 5 p.m. And let me tell you, it was still a very warm day. Now, we as fans 
we had a little bit of a saving grace because even though the Galaxy put us way up in the corner, as far away from the field as they could possibly put us, uh, we were under a little bit of an awning so we could kind of sit back. We had a whole section to ourselves even though there was only about 40 to 50 of us there in the visitor supporting section. And there was some cloud cover and a little bit of a breeze. So all in all, wasn't terrible. It was okay. It was certainly better than the day before. I sat out in the bright blaring sun for like five hours watching a football game so that was terrible soccer game was a a little bit better now i imagine down on the field where the players were it was probably terrible there was uh you know no breeze probably down there they were running around running four or five six miles throughout the game so i'm sure it absolutely sucked which is why there were some water breaks but uh but yeah it was it was a fun one uh i will say this was my first time officially as a Sporting Kansas City visitors supporter. I have gone to other Sporting Kansas City away games and cheered on Sporting Kansas City, but I did not go through the club. I did not get a visitors supporter section ticket. So this was a little bit of a new experience for me as a Sporting Kansas City away visiting supporter. And what's interesting to me is uh, it's really cool to get sort of a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Uh, Sporting KC and the club that they're playing, in this case the LA Galaxy, they have calls, they have all sorts of logistical talks. We get an email that's like, if you're a visiting fan, you need to park in lot 16 and you need to get there at 3 p.m. so you can go in this specific gate before the other gates open at 3.30. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm getting there at 3 o'clock for a 5 p.m. game and just sitting out in the sun and Dignity Health Sports Park. And, and so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm probably not going to do that. And then I'm like, lot 16, you look at the map, and that's like as far away as you can possibly park from Dignity Health Sports Park still in a Galaxy parking lot. And I'm like, there's there's simply no way this stadium's going to fill up. So I didn't do what the email said. Don't tell the club. <laughs> if they're listening, they know now. And uh, I just got there at like, I don't know, 3.30, 3.45, parked in a regular parking lot, paid the 20 bucks it cost to park, which again, I'm very grateful that we don't have to do that at Sporting KC games. And uh, yeah, I parked like a 30 second walk from the stadium, walked right into whatever gate I wanted to, walked right to my seats. They said security was going to hold us for 30 minutes after the game so there wouldn't be any problem. There was no security to be found. There were no problems anywhere. There were not enough of us to cause a problem even if we wanted to, which nobody did. So all in all, a very smooth experience. Didn't have to walk a mile to get to my car in 100 degree weather after the game, so that was good. But uh, if you've ever been to the LA Galaxy Stadium, Dignity Health Sports Park, it's meh. It's fine. It's no Children's Mercy Park. It's certainly no Bank of California Stadium or LAFC play. I'm sorry, LA Galaxy. I know you have the history. I know you have the five MLS Cups. I know you're one of the original MLS teams, but your stadium is trash. Hot garbage trash compared to Bank of California Stadium. The stadium itself is much better. The food options are infinitely better at LAFC Stadium. The team's a lot better right now. So I'd have to say in basically every facet of the game, LAFC is kicking LA Galaxy's ass when it comes to the stadium experience, on-field experience, etc. They really didn't have any vegan options that I'm aware of for, for Daniel and uh, and Marissa. I mean, maybe uh, some chips, but that that was really about it. Where LAFC... Uh, they have all sorts of vegan options, and just the food in general is so much better. So already kind of on a rough start, but hey, we show up there. Uh, we look at the lineups that get put out, and we've come to sort of expect this. For the most part, we know the lineup that Sporting Kansas City is going to put out when it comes to the final few games of this year. couple of big notable changes, though. 
If you looked at who played outside back for Sporting Kansas City this game, we had Caden Pierre at right back and Logan Ndenbe at left back. Uh, neither Ben Sweat nor Graham Zusi were even on the bench. You know, they've been playing quite a bit. This game was hot. It was on the road. They were not with the team. So uh, that left a little bit of a change at, at the fullback position. But everything else, shall we? I got a Russell. Eric Tommy, Remy Voltaire, Roger Espinoza, uh, the upcoming father, by the way. Remy Voltaire, congrats to Remy and his wife. Uh, so Tommy, Voltaire, and Roger Espinoza, the midfield. And then Logan and Dembe, Andre Ufantes, Nicholas Isimont Marine, and uh, Caden Pierre, the back line in front of John Polskamp. So pretty solid lineup. Uh, of course, we knew that Chicharito was going to be up top for the LA Galaxy. They have Victor Vasquez. Uh, they have Ricky Puig, uh, who is their new signing, the number six. Um, they have Douglas Costa. He did not start. He came in later. Uh, Kevin Cabral, um, you know, longtime MLS legend Sasha Kleschen was on the bench. So they have a pretty decent team, and, and they are fighting uh, actively for a playoff spot. They came into this game uh, behind uh, the Portland Timbers, sitting uh, in eighth place at 38 points. So they desperately needed a win to jump up potentially into that playoff mix. Of course, SKC pretty far out of the playoff mix at this moment, or before this game uh, was uh, taking place. And we really needed to win every game for the rest of the year, even have a hope. Spoiler alert, if you're listening, you probably know the result. We drew the game. Most seasons, it's a very good result, drawing with the LA Galaxy on the road. This season, probably doesn't get it done, and Johnny said as much in the post-game press conference, but hey, what are you going to do? We do the best we can at this point in the season. We're just looking to find things that are, you know, uh, positives going into 2023. And unfortunately, when when this game got started, uh, it kind of started as, as Sporting Kansas City had earlier in 2022. Uh, it was the fourth minute. Uh, Victor Vasquez found Chicharito, who got behind the back line. Chicharito kind of touches the ball around Pulse Camp. And, uh, yeah, he does what Chicharito does. He puts it away. When I was watching this live, um, I was down at the other end of the stadium. I had a brief moment of, uh, of hope that maybe Chicharito was offside. But you watch the replay, and it's not even close. Uh, he times his run perfectly. Andreu Fontas is holding him on. He is the one that keeps Chicharito onside. Chicharito puts it past uh, Pulse Camp. You know, maybe you can ask Pulse Camp to do something there, but one-on-one with Chicharito, that's that's tough. Uh, so it becomes 1-0, LA Galaxy in the fourth minute, and he kind of had that sinking feeling of, oh no, here we go again. Haven't really had that feeling since Eric, Tommy, and Willie Agata joined Sporting KC, but uh, it it really um, it didn't feel great. And you know, Sporting KC were were pressing high. Um, they were living and dying by their high line on the back. Uh, they were playing very very wide on offense, and then getting very very compact on defense. Something Sporting KC does, but uh, Indenbe did not start out very well. He was he was a little bit. Uh, rusty, it seemed, coming off of his injury. And Caden uh, Pierre was, was having a little bit of issues as well at first. Um, the fullbacks were just sort of kind of getting eaten alive at, at first. Uh, but things settled down a bit um, as, it, as the first half went on. It got a little more even. Uh, it ended up going to halftime. 1-0, which all things considered was, was pretty good. And, and you kind of think, okay, 1-0. Sporting KC have uh, looked much better, much more in control, particularly after the water break. 
there was a water break in about the 30th minute. Uh, they came back out, and it looked like there were some subtle uh, nuanced differences. They maybe weren't getting quite as wide on offense, weren't getting quite as narrow on defense, creating a little bit less space for the fullbacks in particular to have to run, and just seemed a little bit more calm, seemed to settle into the game a little bit more. And so they come out in the second half. They're looking for that equalizer. And uh, ultimately, it was called in the 65th minute when uh, there was a handball that was called on Derek Williams of the LA Galaxy. And this gives Sporting KC the opportunity. Now, this is uh, an interesting penalty call because Shallowy fired the shot from a little bit left of the penalty spot. Derek Williams was was pretty close, but his arm is definitely in an unnatural position. Uh, excuse me, I said it was Daniel Shallowy. I think it was Eric Tommy who was firing the shot. Uh, the arm is definitely in an unnatural position, hits the ball. The ball is probably not going on frame, so it's a little bit of a lucky break for Sporting KC. And, you know, maybe there was a little bit of a question about who was going to step up, but not really, because we all know even last time there was a penalty kick opportunity, Eric Tommy looked right to the captain, Johnny Russell, gave him the ball and said, you're the one taking this. And so once again, Johnny Russell, even though he had missed a penalty earlier in the season, stepped up and he's kind of known for going to his right. He went to the left last time, but he kind of goes to the right almost every single time. He steps up to take this penalty kick. He goes to the right again. Uh, Jonathan Bond, the LA Galaxy goalkeeper, guesses the right way, and he gets a hand to it, but it's not quite enough. He deflects the ball. It bounces off the post, goes across the line. I had terrible flashbacks to Portland in 2015 watching the ball just roll across the line, bounce off the other post, and come out. And fortunately for Sporting KC this time, the ball had just enough of an angle just enough spin to get inside that far post. It becomes a goal. Johnny Russell technically converts the penalty because there was no other shot. It becomes 1-1, even game in the 67th minute, thanks to Johnny Russell. Now we fast forward a little bit. Roger Espinoza had been in the game. He's obviously an older player. He comes out of the game for young Felipe Hernandez. And uh, in the 76th minute, Willie Agata has the ball in Sporting KC territory. He's kind of dropped quite far into the midfield. His hold-up play, pretty good. I, I know me in particular, that was one of the things I said about Kyrie Shelton was, well, he's got really good hold-up play, so that opens up opportunities. Willie Agata has great hold-up play. My brother, who had never heard of Willie Agata, had never seen him. My brother's an EPL fan. He didn't know who he was. Even commented on the hold-up play of Willie Agata in this game, so it stood out to somebody who had never seen Willie Agata play before. He drops deep into Sporting KC territory, turns around, and lays off a gorgeous pass over the back line to Felipe Hernandez, springs him down the left side of the field. Felipe drives in, cuts off the right foot, fires one on frame, and it bounces off an LA Galaxy defender of uh, Julian Araujo. And uh, it sneaks inside the near post. And it's a tough break for the LA Galaxy, but what a play that starts with a beautiful pass from uh, Willie Agata, uh, and then Felipe Hernandez capitalizing on it moments after coming into the game. And uh, yeah, suddenly it's 2-1 Sporting Kansas City, and we go from thinking, okay, maybe we hold on to a draw, to maybe we can get the full three points here. If we can get the full three points in Carson, break the hearts of the LA Galaxy, 
man, how good of a feeling would that be? Maybe we can't make the playoffs ourselves, but if we can sort of smash the hopes of a team like the LA Galaxy, a flopper like Chicharito, and we know y'all have seen the video most likely of him against Toronto FC where he's falling all over the place, and it's just absolutely ridiculous, uh, it would feel so good. And uh, it all started because of a, an absolutely gorgeous pass from Willie Agata. And uh, after the game, Peter was asked about that pass specifically. And he says, Willie has demonstrated time and time again that he fits our team and he continues to show that he has more and more inside of an arsenal, inside of his arsenal, excuse me. It's a great ball. I didn't expect him to do that. It was great. It was, I thought Felipe had good composure and set it up really well. It was opportunistic. So, uh, even Peter, he was like, Hey, I didn't expect him to do that. That was, that was a really great decision, a really great play there. And, and I like that. I like when a player can surprise his own coach, especially a coach like Peter Ramiz, who, you know, we all kind of know can sometimes get a little, um, repetitive or sometimes, uh, you know, dug in on his tactics. Now I think he, you know, some people think he does that a little more than he actually does, but but when you can surprise Peter Ramiz with, with something like that, I think that's a good thing. So suddenly now, 15 minutes left in the game, it's 2-1 Sporting Kansas City. We're thinking, okay, we might actually be able to get out of here with the full three points. Take about a 10-minute you know, time jump. Unfortunately, it's the 87th minute. Uh, Kevin Cabral has come into the game for the LA Galaxy. Uh, he gets a little bit of a break behind the Sporting Kansas City back line. A, a really perfect ball from uh, Ricky Puig um, gets past the back line. Uh, and he he might have been offside again, except for EC's, like, not EC, excuse me, Pulse Camp's, like, wow, not Pulse Camp. Andreu Fontes, there we go, is about, I don't know, three, four, five yards farther back than everyone else. He probably still held on by Caden Pierre, but would have been a lot closer. Uh, Fontas can't really catch him. Uh, John Pulskamp comes out of the net. He falls down. Uh, the ref points to the spot and gives the penalty. Now, here's what I will say. Does Pulskamp technically touch Cabral's foot? Yes. It's the back foot. Cabral definitely trails it. The ball is not going anywhere near the net at that point. He's probably not going to be able to redirect it on frame. Is it a penalty? Ah, I don't know. It's it's tough, man. I mean, probably he kind of grabs onto the back foot a little bit. Um, it's it's close. I, if it were against Sporting Kansas City, you know, upon seeing the replay, I think I'd probably be a little mad if they didn't call it. It's just it's a little bit of a tough break. Um, Cabral definitely made more of a meal out of it than he needed to. Uh, but it just kind of sucks because now it's the 87th minute. Uh, who else? Chicharito steps up to the penalty box, uh, penalty spot, excuse me. Uh, he takes the kick, fires it on frame. Pulse camp goes to his left. The ball goes to his right. And suddenly it's 2-2 in the 88th minute. And uh, yeah, you kind of have a feeling, well, there go the hopes of a full three points for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, and things went from bad to worse. There were five minutes of stoppage time, uh, sort of a, an unlucky break for Sporting Kansas City in the 93rd minute. Uh, Caden Pierre, the ball bounces off uh, his hand. Um, originally, it was not called a, uh, a penalty. I believe it was Douglas Costa, I want to say, who was the one who headed the ball 
Uh, no, it was not Douglas Costa. It was uh, Samuel Granzier. Um, he was the one who, by the way, for those of you who pay attention to transfer rumors, uh, he's a left winger. Uh, Sporting Kansas City was linked to Samuel Granzier uh, a couple years ago when we really sort of needed some left wing depth. And it didn't come to fruition because Samuel Granzier goes, eh, I don't really want to come play in America. I kind of want to stay in Europe. I like it here. And then like two weeks later, he signs with the LA Galaxy. So it's weird. It wasn't MLS. It wasn't coming to play in America. That was the problem. He just didn't want to come to Kansas City. So I have a little bit of a thing against Samuel Granzier. But he heads the ball. Uh, it bounces basically at point-blank range off of Caden Pierre's sort of thigh slash stomach and then right into his arm. It's a tough break. Um, there's not much that Pierre can do to react to it. It's not originally called a penalty, but the VAR signals down to the referee for review. He takes a look at it, and once he starts taking a look at it, you have a feeling, okay, this is going to end in a penalty kick for the LA Galaxy. Sure enough, he comes back out, he points to the spot, and it's a penalty kick for the LA Galaxy. At this point, Chicharito, he steps up to the spot. It's the 96th minute. There's only supposed to be five minutes of stoppage time. There's a playoff spot on the line for the LA Galaxy. Sporting Kansas City, at this point, are basically out of the playoffs. The season's done. Backup keepers in in uh, goal for Sporting Kansas City, who does not have the same record against penalty kicks that Tim Melia does. Chicharito steps up to the ball. The entire stadium is silenced. You can hear a pin drop. And for whatever reason that I will never in my life be able to explain to you. Chicharito Hernandez, Javier Chicharito Hernandez, one of the most prolific Mexican national team players of all time, steps up and takes what I would say is the absolute worst panenka attempt. And for those of you who do not know what a panenka is, it is just basically trying to slowly kick it directly down the middle of the net. Pulse Camp almost dove, and uh, he had enough time to stand there catch the ball calmly and I didn't catch this when I was watching in person Pulse Camp basically wags his finger at Chicharito after catching it and basically says not today no it's not happening and if you have not heard the ESPN Deportes call of this in Spanish I retweeted it we retweeted it from the pod it's worth listening to volume up the laughter that comes from these Spanish language announcers in the face of Chicharito is just absolutely hilarious so definitely something that you want to go check out and hear uh, but that basically does it it ends the game 2-2 uh, for uh, Sporting Kansas City and we end with a draw it probably means that we're not gonna end up making the playoffs surprise if you didn't know that then uh, I'm, I'm not sure what to tell you, but what it does do is it might potentially ruin uh, a, a chance for the LA Galaxy to make it to the playoffs. So Chicharito, he, he, there were some boos by the LA Galaxy fans at full time, and I think the boos were directed at Chicharito uh, for, for that really stupid decision. So uh, ultimately, it ends in a draw. Sporting Kansas City come. Uh, well, no, we don't come back home. I was going to say we come back home on Saturday to play the Houston Dynamo. Dynamo. But we do travel to Houston. It's a 7.30 p.m. game. Uh, the Houston Dynamo are one of the only teams that are worse than Sporting Kansas City in the conference right now. We have 30 points through 29 games. We are in 12th place in the West. Uh, Houston has 29 points through 29 games and just fired after less than a season 
former Sporting Kansas City player Paolo Nagamura, who was their head coach for less than a year. He finished with the 8-16-5 record. I'm honestly not sure what happened there. Um, the Dynamo were not expected to be a good team. Yeah, they signed Hector Herrera. He didn't come till July, and he's kind of old now. But if you're deciding, and you're the Houston Dynamo, and you decide to fire Paolo Nagamura now because the Dynamo weren't performing, I don't know what made you think Paolo Nagamura was the right coach when you hired him, because this was never going to be a team that could compete for a playoff spot. I feel bad for Paulo. I thought it was a big leap for him as it was when he got hired originally, uh, but he had the respect of the players. They said as much in the, the press release. So something changed. Um, there, there are some out there in Houston that are thinking uh, wild things about who they can hire. They're mentioning Tata Martino. They're mentioning Marcelo Bielsa. They're mentioning Rafa Marquez. They're mentioning uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, the former Manchester United manager. None of those things are happening. You know, maybe, maybe you can tempt Matias Almeida to come back to MLS, but I doubt it after getting uh, fired by the San Jose Earthquakes. But uh, yeah, now Sporting Kansas City have the opportunity to go to Houston, capitalize on a team that just fired their head coach, and honestly, I think they will. I think we'll go to Houston. I think we are going to uh, win that match. Uh, I think it will be um, a, a close game, but I think Sporting Kansas City are going to come out of Houston with the victory. So uh, that is what I think there. And uh, now I'm going to turn to some of your questions here that we have. Um, let's go here. Uh, from Chip Colmia, one of our longtime listeners, says, How satisfying was it to see that flubbed Panenka in person? Oh my God. I said some things directed at Chicharito. That I probably shouldn't have said. Um, I said some very interesting <laughs> words, but uh, it was just, uh, yeah, it was one of those things where um, I was just so happy. I was so happy to see it because it was just such an arrogant thing for Chicharito to do. And uh, I don't know, man. It just, it made me so happy. Um, he also asked, how do you feel Caden did starting it right back compared to Zussi? Uh, Could have been better. I think it was okay. Could have been better, but what are you going to do? Uh, I think he needs to get more time there uh, to, to continue to develop into potentially the right back of the future for Sporting Kansas City. And then uh, he asked if Vermees could only keep one of the two at the end of the season, do you think he would keep Zussi or Roger? Uh, Zussi's probably more needed if he can stay informed because I don't think we have another right back um, that can be the, the, the full-time starter yet. Caden's not there yet. Uh, I feel more comfortable slotting Felipe Hernandez in at the 8 or Remy Voltaire in at the 8 if we sign another number 6. Um, I don't know that it will come down to that, but we'll see. Uh, let's see here. Um, any good Rodrin stories, uh, Beach McGillishaw asked. We did meet one of our listeners, uh, so thank you so much for coming and talking to us. If you ever do see us out and about, always feel free to come talk to us. He bought us, or he bought me a beer. He bought Dan a water. Dan doesn't drink, but appreciate that. Never expected, but I did enjoy it. It was a, a nice Modelo. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciated that. Uh, let's see here. We'll do uh, we'll do one more. I, we got an email from uh, Taylor Shot. He goes, "Best SKC podcast." Parentheses are there still others? Which, uh, thank you, Taylor. Let's uh, appreciate that. Um, but this is this is a cool one. This is a personal story uh, that I want to share because uh, we've actually met Taylor. And I appreciate him and this email. So he says, hey, Jimmy and Dan, no question, really, just some praise. 
Apple Podcasts seems to hate it when I write reviews because they either never post or it fails in-app when I do so, so I'll give an email review. I've been a long-time listener. Since Daniel Sperry, a buddy from college, invited me to the SKC Chicago Fire game with some two randos from Kansas, I've been a fan ever since. I didn't know you guys at the time and didn't know you had a podcast, but ever since that game, I've been following and listening every week. I think a mixture of those Chicago Fire crazy kids and the back-and-forth nature of that game, I was sold on SKC. Friends like Dan Sperry and others from college put SKC on the map at college, but I never followed avidly until that game. It's been a fun ride listening to one of my favorite podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So much that I went to a game the following year and tried to the next year, but unfortunately COVID happened. At some point, I will be back and hopefully see familiar faces. The work you both do is phenomenal. The guests you have are top-notch. I think what sets you apart is the natural and authentic, and it never feels forced. It's literally just two soccer fans talking. So hopefully many more years of no other pod, and hopefully I can get back to a game soon. Thank you so much, Taylor. Um, that's really special to me personally. I remember meeting you. I see you on Twitter. I see you interacting with the pod. I've always thought it's very cool that you continue to listen and follow and have become somewhat of a sporting Kansas city fan since that game. Uh, we did get yelled at and cursed at by small children who were Chicago fire fans. Uh, Daniel Sperry, who we have on this episode coming up here in just a few minutes did introduce us. So thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And glad that you're continuing to listen. Even this whatever it is, four years later at this point. So, well, I've been talking enough. I know you're probably tired of hearing my voice. I'm sorry for those of you who didn't get your usual usual coos jokes that you're used to. He's off frolicking in Disneyland or, or fighting uh, you know, Marvel bad guys in uh, Avengers Campus in California Adventure at this point, probably. Uh, so we're going to kick it over to our interview with Daniel Sperry. You'll hear, you'll hear uh, Dan a little bit on that. Uh, but before we do... I want to tell you a little bit about DraftKings Sportsbook. Kansas, the wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Kansas, just in time for football season. That means betting legally on same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. To celebrate, DraftKings is giving new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets. Let me say that again. Bet just $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets instantly. Thursday night is almost here. Want more action for opening night kickoff? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any pro football team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points during the game... You get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code NOOTHERPOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's promo code NOOTHERPOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet? Call 1-800-522-4700, 21 and over, physically present in Kansas, Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus is issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. So now, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends, we'll kick it over to an interview with Kansas City Star reporter, Daniel Sperry. (laughs) 
Welcome back, everybody. We have special guests in the No Other Pod studios today. And by studios, I mean a triple Zoom call. It is a uh, really good friend <laughs> slash uh, SKC reporter for the Kansas City Star, uh, Daniel Sperry. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's great to be on with you guys. Uh, Jimmy and I have been covering this team pretty much like we both started around the same time in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. then uh, I wrote for I uh, Last Word on Sports a little bit. For you a brief did. Period of you time. did write for us for a brief period of time before SBI soccer days. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then I believe uh, um, <clears throat> I met Dan in uh, Chicago when That's we right. went for the first time when we went, That's Jimmy true. and I took a road trip time. to cover uh, the well, cover, AKA we hung out in the stands um, uh, in the freezing cold of Bridgeview, Illinois uh, and did a road trip up to Chicago in like March <laughs> and yeah. watched that uh, crazy fourth three comeback in 18. So last you come so up for great the all-star um, game to Chicago. I did not. You did not. Okay. Uh, I did not. I have not. I've never been to an MLS All-Star game and I am going to keep it that way until someone pays me to go <laughs> or it's part of my full-time my full-time gig routine, but this is not not full-time yet, so until it's full-time then, then we'll we'll keep hiatusing on the MLS All-Star game. See, well, I knew I had like, lodging and I I had a I had a friends to go with and, and a place to stay, so all I had to do was, you know, drive my ass there and and it was good. Right. And I, and that's usually the best way, like where, when I pull off those road trips, that's usually how it happens. Uh, but yeah, uh, did yeah. not fall into place for that. We think you're doing a, a, such a fantastic job, man. I mean, you have not been yelled at near as many times as Sean Goodwin was last year. So you're doing great, buddy. <laughs> I've been you doing my best. Subs. <laughs> I ask a lot less about substitutions. Usually yeah. if I ask about substitutions, it's like, why did you make the substitution? But no, yeah, Sean. Sean's a good dude. I appreciated. Oh, yeah. uh, I appreciated that the many years of the press box that we shared with them. But yeah, they, I guess I guess Peter doesn't yell at me too much. Although one time I will say when we were doing the World Cup thing uh, downtown, I I kind of quipped at him when we were done with a press a little scrum that we had after they announced it, and Vermees stepped in and started talking to us after they announced World Cup, and I. I asked my question. I gave him a little quip of like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow on zoom because Thursday next day was uh, the the weekly zoom. And he goes, yeah, come with better questions next time. And like gave me a wink and like, <laughs> oh, he gave no. me the wink. Okay. He gave me a wink and like sure. pulled away, but he, uh, you're like, yes, father. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no. The best There's part nothing- too, honestly, like my whole plan was like, my very first question, because I knew Kurt was going to do something like but this first question as the, beat reporter for the Kansas City Star, Daniel Sperry. And like the first press conference was them like dropping the bombshell of Alan Polito not playing this entire season. And so he just goes up before anyone can ask a question and drops this bombshell. My plan was to be like, hey, Peter, so now that I'm taking over for Sean, uh, you know, tell us about your substitution patterns this season. I literally, I'm like, how the heck am I going to spit that out after you just bombed the season that God is going to miss the start and Polito's going to be out the entire year. So then it was... uh very quick retry and then in the middle of it he's like trying to congratulate me and i was like this is cool thank you but my brain is like like the spongebob episode where they're like sprinting around and there's fire everywhere inside his head and all the all the cabinets are like tripped open and the papers are flying everywhere that was like the inside of my brain as we went into that press conference because it was supposed to be such a chill innocent open to the season press conference 
You know, I think my favorite was when you first got this position that you're holding now and you hear uh, Kurt Austin, I believe, go congratulate him on his position to Peter. And Peter was like, <laughs> Peter was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulate. Congratulations on the job, buddy. <laughs> That's great. That That's fantastic. is great. <laughs> oh. Gotta love well, it. I appreciate I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's been great listening to your pod and following you guys' work over the last few years. So right, great to be on. Well, thank you for coming on. So, uh, you know, obviously the first half of this year did not get well first 60 70 percent of this year until about a month ago did not go how sporting casey or anybody really had planned and there was all sorts of controversy online maybe not as much in actual life but should peter vermees be fired should he not and then we get these two new signings willie agata and eric tommy and things have kind of turned around and i know you and i have had some offline conversations about this but what have your what have been your impressions of skc uh, over the last month or so since uh, Willie Agata and Eric Tommy joined? I think the first thing is Tommy's intensity. Um, even more so than when Gotti's been in the midfield, Tommy really likes to take charge. And he was, we saw it in the first game, like he's out there like yell, directing at players. And some of it is like, uh, some some of it might be language barrier and they'd only had a few training sessions before they started him against Austin in that game. But right away you saw Eric Tommy's intensity and that kind of, even from the first press conference, you heard his very German straightforwardness, intense efficiency, power like that, that, that is Tommy, but he has, that comes out on the field in the ways that you want. I was thinking back to like other number tens that they have had um since i've been here and he most reminds me honestly of benny fail Haber than any of the other another number 10s that they've had in the sense of he's a fiery guy he's a very outwardly chip on my shoulder competitive guy and he's going to push guys buttons in that manner to like try not like he's gonna like go at you per se benny i think sometimes was very unafraid to do that but there i mean when even when peter brought benny back in 2019 he said that he needed somebody to help like kind of light a fire under guys and have that like edgy mentality in the locker room. And so you add his very obviously like gifted at the number 10 position. He's very quick on the turn. His style fits perfectly with that number 10. He's pretty good defensive minded player too. When they don't have the ball, he knows right where to be to kind of plug up passing lanes and channels and stuff like that. So he's a smart player on top of a talented player that has that like really fiery drive. And I think, Agata's play has affected results and the amount of goals that have been scored much more so than Tommy, but Tommy has affected, in my opinion, the entire play of, of the team much more so than Agata, because if you remove Tommy from the equation and put Agata in there, I don't think what's happening over the last month happens. And so it, it became, it, it was very apparent when Gotti Kinda was not coming back for the rest of the season that I think sporting was very much in oh crap mode um, because they had been feeling like we're going to get Gotti back, uh, you know, in April and ish, maybe May at the worst. And by, by the time we're ready to roll here, you know, we'll have been around eight, 10 games this season. We'll know what we have with our, you know, signings that we brought in. And then Gotti will come back and it'll be good. But now the fact that Gotti is not going to play an entire minute in, in this season, that changed things a lot. And so um, you could see 
even and so I, I think back like a lot of the criticism from Shelton that we've had. I'm not gonna like say Shelton is above being criticized for his play and all of that. However, Sporting was still able to win with Shelton as the main striker, but they did so by having a really smart, savvy attacking number ten behind them in Felipe Gutierrez, who was a little bit more like Eric Tommy um than he than he has got Ikinda, but still not quite with that um uh, vocal intensity that I think Tommy has. And so, and, and they did it also with Gotti Kinda under there. So you still have very dynamic creating attack, creative attacking central focus point for the offense to run through, through the midfield. And so when you didn't have Gotti there, I think Peter's talked about it with this too, a couple of times, but before he even said something, I think it was pretty apparent that Gotti's misses, uh, you know, absence within the team was more significant than Polito's um, in terms of how it had an overall effect on what sporting was able to do and how teams could play them. Um, so I think that's been the biggest thing that we've seen from Tommy is that he's added that kind of heavy, leadership aspect um and the the aggressiveness the intensity but he's also brought what you want out of your number 10 uh in the in the creativity and, and attacking side of things even though he hasn't been on the actual score sheet for all the goals that sporting has scored since he's arrived i don't think that i think there's maybe one that's been scored since he started playing with the team that you can't directly trace uh, his involvement too. And I think it's the bench sweat play to uh, Willie Agata for the fourth goal in, against Portland. Every single other goal that we've, that sporting have scored over that time, maybe I'm trying to think maybe also maybe one of the one Agata's goals in, uh, in Portland. Um, I, Tommy either took the set piece on the corner kick that, that turned into a ricochet or um, took uh, in the set piece, Took the set or took the free kick against uh, Austin that Fontes follows up. Um, the free kick that free kick was so hard that you know Stewart couldn't really handle it, and Fontes jumps on it. So the impact that both of those guys have had up the middle um, has been really massive for Sporting. Uh, and Agata has just been such a a fun addition to the locker room and a happy go lucky guy that they've really kind of changed the overall perspective of this team um into one that makes you like really feel like okay if if they'd had one if they'd had these guys a much further back in the season or we had more games left to play in the season i think you'd really feel less we'll see what happens about sporting's like playoff hopes right because of the run of the form that they're on isn't like exactly ter isn't isn't terribly like awful right like they probably could have beaten Austin at home. They should have beat Austin in Austin, but they shellacked the LA Galaxy, who have been really good lately. And they shellacked the Portland Timbers, who have also played very well lately. So there's a lot of uh, earthquakes that just beaten LAFC the week before. Uh, earthquakes aren't a great team, but they score a lot of goals and sporting shut them out uh, with the defense that we all would agree is extremely leaky. So I, I think that... The overall effect that they've had has boosted a lot of the players that we knew were good pieces on the roster um, and allowed them to like not feel like they have to like absolutely carry the mantle in the games because those two have performed. They've scored the goals. They've helped um, push things. But, man, I think I, I just think like maybe if the season wasn't shortened, right? Maybe they had the entire month of October worth of games too. And right now they still had eight to 10 games left. I don't think you'd be totally counting them out of the playoffs um, with the way that they're playing. But now 
you know, with only six games left, it's a lot more difficult, um, especially because the window didn't change with how they bumped up the season because of the World Cup and stuff like that. So uh, probably probably some points of frustration there for sporting, but it is what it is. And they kind of dug their own grave earlier on in the season. But yeah, the, the new signings, the general form of the team has uh, shaped up. Uh, I would think back to like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to keep rambling here, but there's one instance too uh, in that game against San Jose where there was a kind of a scrambling ball in the box and Graham Zussi just dealt with it. There was a chance that it could have fall, felt to the other, uh, to the San Jose attacker. Um, those are, you know, now all of a sudden you're seeing the defense kind of playing uh, the, the more emergent defense that you would want. And it's because they're feeling more comfortable with the attack that they've got in front of them and that they don't feel like they have to play perfect to get a result. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you, you said a lot just now. I did. I thought, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was, uh, I'll show. Hey, you can interrupt you're, me. You're good. Please no, interrupt. The more the merrier, man. We, Hey, we've had Nate Bikati on here and that man talks for a living. All right. So we, he uh, does talk for a living. I love Nate. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, uh, just a little bit of insight about yourself. I, I, you know, there's reporters that, are also fans of the team. We're fans of the team, and we run a fun, fan-centric podcast. You know, are you also a big sporting fan yourself, or is it just a, a job to you? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because ideally, you're not supposed to have that that bias, and I don't think I don't I think it's very hard for most soccer reporters to escape that too. Um, there's very few. I think, and I think there's some of the best at it that can separate their fandom um, from their job. Uh, and, and even then sometimes it still slips through. Right. So um, we're all human. We all have our kind of biases uh, as it, I don't think listeners get to see our zoom call, but you can see my lovely San Jose earthquake supporters shield that they beat the, you know, the sporting Kansas city to in 2012 um, signed by Wando pendant over here. So I grew up in the Bay area. I uh, grew up in Northern California. I grew up a diehard earthquakes fan. Um, I've never really had a true like fandom attraction to sporting. One of my closest friends in college was, a, is from here um, and is, was a diehard sporting KC fan. I mean, still is diehard sporting KC fan. And I think it like through college, it made me like despise the team. I wanted them to lose every time because I was sick and tired of hearing him in my ear about who's oh, sporting so good and what's wrong with the earthquakes and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever. But I think when you get into the industry, because you're so focused on what's just trying to tell the story about what's happening and trying to focus on that, I think it removes a lot of fandom based and biased perspectives from from how you approach what you're seeing um you know i i want cool things to happen because it gives me cool things to write about you know it, it does when a team is making a trophy run i mean there's no nothing better than getting to you know cover a locker room uh shower and stuff like that i think some of my favorite games though are the craziest ones where sporting ends up kind of pissed off and i've got to deal with referees afterwards you've got a very fiery vermes press conference uh back when i was working for major league soccer you know i'm trying to bounce between two locker rooms and those kind of events and the referees locker room because i am the pool reporter um for kansas city so like those are all of those things that's like the nitty gritty of the game day job that I absolutely enjoy. Um, and so, and sometimes that's not good for sporting. So I think um, 
and not that I want that to happen every game because my blood pressure would I already have high blood pressure and it probably wouldn't be good for my health <laughs> to like deal <laughs> with all of it with that like every single weekend of being like gosh I gotta talk to the referees they gotta do this Peter's angry trying to transcribe everything like that's not so I I I don't consider myself a fan of sporting Kansas City um, but as a writer too I don't think you can keep yourself from kind of like hoping certain storylines emerge and maybe rooting for a, a storyline to cut to emerge that's a good one to write about and a good one to to cover and stuff like that so i find myself like early on too especially i would have said i hope sporting do well so i get a cool experience to cover um going to an mls cup final going to uh, a u.s open cup final like those those kind of things when i was younger probably i would have said um i but yeah i I separate, I was telling this to a friend of mine. I said, I think I hit a point because they were asking me, they're like, how do you feel about like the San Jose sporting game? And I was like, I don't care because one sport San Jose has been so bad for so long that like, I'm sick and tired as a fan. I was sick and tired of how that club was being <laughs> run and like how it was all going. So then you're like, okay, whatever. I don't really care about these results much anymore. We still pay attention, but the, you, your note for me, I'm no longer a supporter when my, uh, day-to-day emotions are changed by the result that happens um and so i think that that's kind of like like i know some sporting fans like man they take a loss really hard Mm -hmm. and you know they're ruins their weekend they're they're in a mood about it um for a couple of days they're gonna still rant about it for a couple of days and for me it's like the next day we're gonna move on it happened it lost i go home i watch college football i relax i get off twitter so i cannot have to deal with the the wackiness that's on there sometimes and like decompress and it doesn't affect my day-to-day so i feel like and I, i think there are some people who are fans who can do that as well but i think it's a really hard thing when you're like the one thing that I have like a really true fandom over anymore, Golden State Warriors, San Francisco 49ers. Never had to work covering either <laughs> of those sports. I I love my 49ers football. I'm intense. Like I I am pissed if the 49ers lose. So like that that that's very that's kind of where like my fandom still exists. But like in the soccer stuff, even I find myself not getting I, I love Manchester United. I love when they win. I find myself being less bothered by them losing over time because i feel like being in the in the industry where you're forcing yourself to look at things objectively um and forcing yourself to like remove any and all bias to try and tell the story and tell the truth about what's going on um i think when you can do that you've you start doing it elsewhere and so like i went to a royals game a couple weeks ago and i like i don't think i stood up the royals hit like four home runs i didn't stand up like one time in the game like chat clap or cheer or anything because i'm so used to looking at things so analytically about what's happening in a game sometimes it kind of affects how i go through stuff u.s men's national team u.s women's national team that's a really hard one but (laughs) well i think it's also hard you know fans get so passionate and they second guess and you know you see things I saw a take earlier this year that was like, oh, if, if Sporting KC still had Ilya, then, you know, guaranteed we'd be a playoff team. And, you know, that's some hindsight 2020 there that Ilya is playing a lot better this year with LAFC than than he was, you know, with Sporting mm-hmm. KC in his last year or two. But it's, I think it's also hard when you get to know um, some of the players a little bit more on a personal level, not really personally, mm-hmm. but you see them in the locker room yeah. after the game, you hear the conversations that they're having with each other. You see the frustration on their face more than just being on the field. And then you hear from them, whether it be in interviews or whatnot, all the things they're trying, it's a lot harder than just 
be like, oh, so-and-so sucks or whatnot. But um, I don't know. It's definitely a, a weird balance. I hope that SKC, from a fan perspective, um, can be more successful the latter part of this year and into the off season, so people can get excited again and not being so miserable about <laughs> so it. So miserable sometimes? Yeah. Um, well, I do have a question, though. That's what happens, though. You Go mentioned ahead. halfway through being a a, 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 um, a pool reporter for pro. And those yeah. those questions that you know they answer their their answers are notorious for being like, well, we decided to award a penalty kick because it was deemed that there was a penalty that occurred on the field. And you're like, thank mm-hmm. you. The sky <laughs> is also blue. How do we fix pro? And how do we fix the accountability <laughs> with pro? Because I think that's part of the frustration fans have is it's yeah, a lot of these calls are objective, but then there's no transparency or accountability as to why things are happening the way they are. Yeah, I that's a that's a great question. And a great question for pro too, because the question then becomes, do they recognize their own deficiencies here? And I don't, I don't know that a lot of them do because I think they like how the current process helps somewhat cover them for um, mistakes that they make. But I think there are some referees um, I talked to actually quite a few of the referees that are in the league have both, on and off the record at times about out things. And especially, um, you know, in the pool reporter process, sometimes uh, things come out afterwards where, you know, they, you know, I've, I won't, I won't get like name names, but there, there are times where and it's happened multiple times where I've had a referee ask me like, or like apologize that they couldn't be more honest because of the process. And I think that's a, that's a hard thing to deal with is I think there's some referees that want that Hmm. and there's some that don't, and there's some that would rather hide behind it. And I, so I think that's a really hard thing to do because I think like the refereeing, like the level and stuff like that, we can, I can drone on and on about it and I do on Twitter. So I'm going to spare you guys like my, my rants about it, but I, it can, a lot of it can be better served with just like much better training um, mm-hmm. and much better uh, and an investment in continued training and continued growth for referees, not only at the pro level, because these are the best referees that we're getting out of the whole referee system. Yeah. And so, but we're talking at a younger level, being able to like really, really recognize these things. And I think there are some referees too that have not grown up around var for very like they didn't grow up as referees around var so they've been established pro referees and now you're throwing in this idea of second guessing their opinions when they've you know until they became a pro their opinion was always what went and so some of them can either get lazy and rely on it or some of them don't want to rely on it at all because and don't and don't you know won't a lot kind of Hopefully they will, hopefully they're not telling their VAR not to review things, but you know, they're, some of them are notoriously less likely to review something because they think the referee's opinion on the field should stand. And so when they're acting as a VAR versus being out on the field. So I think there's, there's all kinds of like layers to it that way. I think the biggest thing that would help in the, in the process is if it's, it's so hard to like own up to your own mistakes and I think to sometimes referees view any sort of question as like scrutiny on their performance, where sometimes like really we were just wanting to like no clarification about what you saw. Uh, and so I'll take it, I'll take it back to one a couple years ago, uh, last year, 
San Jose Earthquakes versus uh, Sporting KC. It was at Children's Mercy Park. It was a 1-1 draw. And there was a really weird call late in the game. They called. Sporting had the ball. Johnny Russell fell in the box. Joe Dickerson was the referee then. He pointed at the penalty spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and kind of delayed to wait and see what happened. The ball came out of the box, but Sporting was still in possession. I mean, I'm talking Graham Zussi's on the, the outside edge of the 18 with the ball at that top right-hand corner after Russell had been taken down because of where it came out, came back out to. He's standing there in possession of the ball. So there were two questions that we asked because VAR went and overturned the repl- overturned the penalty kick, and then it was immediately dropped to the San Jose goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper this. booted it back out and restarted the play. Yeah. It was still one nothing San Jose at that time. Sporting equalized like just minutes later off a free kick and a flying Daniel Shallowy like tap-in or something like that. Um and so they, they, you know, but that penalty, maybe they could have won it. So first question was one, you know, what, what did you see? You have to learn how to word the questions too, um, to like, what did you see that made you call this and not asking why did you call this or why? Because you give them the, so, it, it, I mean, and they are very particular about your wording of your questions and right. how they will give you a response to. So you kind of have to like game the system as you're, thinking about how to craft your questions in that instance um, because you're trying to get the truth out of it and and get the best information out of the referee. Thankfully, Dickerson in that situation was really open and honest. He didn't feel like it was a penalty upon replay. He felt like there wasn't enough contact to warrant Russell going down, and the contact wasn't like if he had tripped him, sure, it could have been a foul, but because he didn't, really trip him it shouldn't have been a foul because it wasn't there wasn't any obstruction there was no other things going on in the play that really necessitated they said russell went down he didn't feel like it was a penalty on review and that, that was the extent of his words and if you go back and look at the replay i think that's a fine call to overturn it but the question that i think the thing that enraged especially peter vermees after the match and i didn't have the answer in time so like give that to vermees was a simple explanation he gave he quoted the correct rule the correct law and paragraph number within the FIFA rule book to us to say, this is what is happened. This is what happens in this instance. And when play is restarted, even for a penalty kick, like, like a situation like that, it's automatically restarted by the goalkeeper. So in that moment, we learn a lot of things and the criticism for the referee chills, but he was right in that instance. And so you have to have a referee that's willing to be transparent when they're wrong about things. And I think that's, that's the hard part is that, you know, for them, it they might see it as owning up to their mistakes takes hits to their credibility. So, you know, yeah. think of Angel Hernandez, right? Like Angel Hernandez's <laughs> credibility at a shot because he sucks at reading. Uh, he makes mistakes like crazy every single game. Yeah. But you know, uh, but he told, his another, lawsuit told me it's racism. He's still in the But league. he lost the lawsuit because <laughs> MLB came back and said it's because of your performance. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, well, but, but I think I, I before I like keep rambling on this too. But like, I, it's just it, it it's such a hard thing to do that like it would take pro as an organization enforcing some like transparency steps. Um, if there's one thing that I wish that they would do is that they would announce like NFL referees, dude, you've already stopped the game. You're going to have to walk from the monitor halfway across the field. Just stop to explain to the crowd, the ref, the view, or, you know, the play was under review for this. I didn't feel, you know, there uh, upon replay, we didn't feel like there was enough contact, no penalty. We're going to move on or, you know, it clearly showed a handball at this player. 
And so, yeah, go ahead. Then they couldn't make it a big show out of running from the monitor and keeping everybody on suspense until they get right there to point at the penalty spot. Uh, yeah. But we, you know, uh, what my favorite, my favorite VAR decision was Alex Chilowicz when he was refing. And this is, I know a lot of the referees by first name, just because I'm used to dealing with them too much, but Chilowicz, this was, it, I remember him because he had the next game in San Jose and I was like, or against sporting and it was a rough game. And he ran to the monitor he had told them just pull up the freeze frame that shows the ball over the line of the goal. Ran runs over, looks at looks at the monitor real quick. At less than five seconds, just turns around, points to the spot, whistle, goal, like done. So easy, and it's like, thank you. Please do this. Please do this every time. Yeah. Almost as quick as Fotis Pizakos overturning his red card, his yellow card to a red on Pozuelo this weekend. <laughs> um, so we only have time for just. Maybe one or two more. Maybe real quick, I got one, and then I'll I'll throw it over to Dan for, for maybe one more. Quick yeah. hit, like two sentences. If you could sum up, what is SKC's biggest need they need to address in the offseason in, in quick manner? Mm-hmm. That's hard. The first sentence, it depends on how they view Remy Walter. Okay. If they view him, it's going to be more sentences. If they view him as a six, <laughs> then they then I don't know that they really need to worry about going out and getting another six. Um, if, if they, they view him, eight. if they want him as an eight, they need to go get a six. Um, after after the six, I think it's probably another center back um, and someone with a little bit more pace, just a little bit more of that intensity to. Uh, as Peter would say, I don't want to copy his words, but to defend every roll of the ball. And I think there that is very obvious that the defenders at times lacked it this season at the center back position. So I think yeah. they're going to need someone who's a little bit more, maybe even like street savvy as a center back versus like the polished ball playing type of a guy. Um, you know, Fontes' contract is up. It's very high. The question you know, it's it's a very big question mark whether or not they'll re- return that contract and, and re-up it and stuff like that. So that's a question mark there is that if they do that, then they need a ball-playing center back because as much as, you know, Courtney Ford loved Peter Vermees saying that about him, Courtney Ford isn't exactly a ball-playing center right. back and neither really is he's not for it. Uh, Marine. So yeah. uh, they're going to have to get a new center back, at least one. And so the question, I think, I think that's the next biggest need um, for sure uh, outside of a six. If the six, if you Remy as a six, then and go to get a couple back. center backs, go hard right. at the center backs. doesn't matter. They still need to get a center back. So, sure. um, but if Remy is not the six, then they need to get a six in my opinion. Well, you know, in, uh, in closing here, we know that SKC is not technically out of the playoffs yet, but if they do somehow squeeze in there, they will not be having a home playoff game, but we still might have home playoff soccer with KC Current, man, I know you've been covering them as well, and it's been very exciting to watch uh, from the stands and just watch these ladies have a hell of a time on the field. Uh, yeah. What's what's the uh, playoff expectations there? I mean, they're not guaranteed anything just yet, but they're yeah, fine. they're not they're not guaranteed anything just yet. I mean, quick pull of the standings, I'm pretty sure they're within touching distance. They're like almost as close to the shield as they are uh you know not Drop hosting out. A, a home uh not hosting a home playoff game there very uh, so they're two points very off of the shield and two points off of being fifth yeah yeah okay and then there are what four points out of four points out with the game in hand of right. uh 17th or of seventh place there um that it's really going to be very tight and they've got uh they've got games against chicago 
Portland. Um, they've already played Houston and San Diego twice. Um, so they do have games against Chicago and Portland coming up um, that are going to be uh, incredibly important. They have five games left. Um, you know, I think the current are, uh, they should be a playoff team. And I think they probably deserve to be a home playoff team. Um, but the NWSL, like we talk about MLS being one of those leagues where you can just never expect a result. I still think the NWSL is one of those, despite the fact that they're on this massive unbeaten streak, um, because the NWSL has a lot of parity to it. And I know there are some, some of the bottom teams like, like Gotham, like the spirit, they're just not very good teams and that you kind of expect the, the teams that have obviously shown that they're better to get better results. But when it comes between those top six, even that's top seven or eight teams in the league, I mean, North Carolina is flying up the standings. Um, They have a lot of games in hand too, um, and can put themselves somewhat close to the, the, the picture um, with what they've got left. I believe they have seven games left um, to play and they score like two or three goals a game. Um, so I, you know, there's a lot of difficult teams in this league. Any team can kind of be anybody on any given day. Um, so I, I don't know about predicting a shield for the current yet. Um, but man, I, I, I think that this is a really solid team. And a team that like sporting, you're sitting there and you're feeling like pretty comfortable about Polito um, and and Gotti coming back to that team and saying, okay, they should be a pretty good contender next season, depending on what other moves they make. On the flip side, for the current, you're looking at them being an absolute like powerhouse in the league when they add Lynn Williams uh, and Sam Mewis back to their roster because mm-hmm. we're talking two of the best players, not just in the, uh, on their team, but in the entire league and maybe within the American soccer pool, we're talking two of the top 20 players, the greatest goals, one of the greatest goal scorers all time and the NWSL that you would have healthy and raring to go. Um, and I think that is, that, that is a, an absolute, like there's massive star power on this team top to bottom, uh, for the current. And they're still doing it without those players, um, you know, CC Kaiser is a superstar. Uh, when she gets on the ball, she is so much fun to watch. And so at least Bennett's uh, a spark plug off the bench. Um, you know, Claire Lavoger has loads and loads of skill and a rocket for a right leg. So, um, you know, this is a, it's a really fun team. I can't mention, can't not mention Lola Bonta, but in general, <laughs> like they, they play such a aggressive, um, kind of in your face style. They're very quick to goal. They're very quick to pressure and try and win the ball back. And so, uh, if you haven't gone out, they've got two home games left this season. I really encourage you, um, sure. to go see listeners to, to go see them because, um, they play really good soccer, uh, a little bit like old school sporting, but with a back three formation and absolutely flying forward wing backs, uh, that really get into the action and make things fun. So, um, Highly recommend getting out and seeing them uh, in their last couple of games. Um, but yeah, this this is a team that you should... I would be shocked if the current didn't make the playoffs, to be honest. I think they have enough winnable games ahead of them. They play the, uh, the bottom three teams, Louisville, Gotham, and Washington in their final five games. And the other two games that they play um, are against Portland and Chicago, uh, one of those being at home against the Thorns. Um, so they've got a lot of winnable games left amongst their their two kind of tough ones um, that should ha- really help push them up the standings even further. So um, my opinion, expect a playoff game for them. It would be awesome if it's at home um, in one of those top three spots. I think they have a good shot to do that just based on um, who they have in front of them. But 
uh, NWSL is one of those leagues where you kind of never say never, never um, uh, because you never really know about what's coming around the corner. Cool, man. Well, hey, exciting times for the current up ahead, especially with the stadium coming up in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, get out to a game if you can. I've been out there. Dan's out there all the time. I think yeah, season tickets. So, I've uh, seen him a couple of times out there. So. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, my friend, it's about that time. But thank you so much for for taking some time to jump on with us. We'll definitely have you back. Appreciate you. Hope you had a good time too. Look yeah, at, I did. Uh, Look at Jimmy trying to hop off five minutes before uh, Lord of the Rings starts. And uh, Big Brother, <laughs> hey, that's Big Brother at eight o'clock. We we, we did record this last week it. before uh, uh, to, before the Galaxy game, so that's why we didn't talk whatever happened in the Galaxy. This that yeah. has not happened yet. So we'll you know, but um, no, but yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate yeah, it. Buddy. And sorry appreciate sorry you. for rambling so no. so much on that first question. But where can people find you? People can find me out on Twitter, um, and if I'm not at In if I'm woods. not at Children's <laughs> on a golf course, maybe this weekend. I don't know. Shoot. Um, uh, no, I. You can find me on Twitter at SperryDaniel94. Um, I don't. I won't plug my Instagram just because I don't post a whole lot on there. Um, but uh, yeah, Twitter at SperryDaniel94. I'm eternally online unfortunately but arguing um, with fans I, I i do my best and I, I i had to stop honestly for my own mental health yeah. but yes uh no yeah uh hop in uh hop in uh and we'll have a good chat on twitter but yeah thanks for having me on guys appreciate yeah, you man we'll have you back soon for sure sounds great folks thank you so much to daniel for talking with us as you can tell during the interview we recorded that before the yellow galaxy game that's why we didn't talk about the chicharito panenka and everything that happened uh but we really appreciate daniel taking a good bit of time to talk to us really appreciate his coverage uh, of the team of both sporting kansas city and the kansas city current uh speaking of the kansas city current go check out the new renderings of their stadium it's gonna be insane it's gonna be the best women's soccer facility in the maybe the entire world certainly the entire country so uh but yeah thanks to daniel so much for uh for taking some time and talking with us and talking about sporting kansas city and the future of sporting kc and what's happened this year so uh but yeah folks that's what i got for you this week that's enough for me you've heard me talking for quite a long time so uh We'll be back next week. Daniel will be back. Daniel Kuzer, that is. Uh, we, we got two Dans now. Uh, but but Daniel Kuzer will be back with me next week. As usual, we'll talk about the Houston Dynamo game. Hopefully, it'll be a victory pod. Uh, but, yeah, make sure you leave that five-star rating and review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave that five-star rating on Spotify. Follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at NoOtherPod, at Dan Kuzer, at JCMac03. Uh, shoot us an email, NoOtherPod at gmail.com. But until next time, I'm Jimmy. We'll see ya. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.